Truth Espresso, episode 268. Face it, we all would rather sleep in this morning. <sighs> That's why God gave us espresso, to kickstart our zombified corpses into hyperdrive. <laughs> and now, giving your mind and soul the morning shot of truth it craves. <sighs> this is Truth Espresso with Daniel Minnick. Hello friends, family, foes, and of course lurkers alike. If you're just checking out Truth Espresso and you ran across the title of this episode, Are the Unborn Trespassers? Welcome, there's plenty more where that came from in the Truth Espresso archives and to come. And yes, in this episode, we're going to talk about what is the unborn and specifically answer the question proposed by abortion proponents or the unborn trespassers. And so what brought up this particular question to answer in this episode? Well, as you may know, there were some elections in some states on Tuesday, November 7th, and all eyes were on the state of Ohio because earlier, a few months ago, there was a ballot initiative as to whether to update the Ohio Constitution to require at least 60% vote to amend the Constitution. And then that failed so that a simple majority on any proposed amendment to the Constitution can amend the Constitution. So a simple popular vote in Ohio can make changes to the state Constitution, not just simply ratify a statute, which the legislature does, but amend the state Constitution itself. And then since the ballot initiative failed to require a 60% majority of vote to make it more difficult to amend the Ohio Constitution, it was left to be easier. And since Roe versus Wade was overturned by the Dobbs decision in June 2022, there were efforts afoot to make sure that Ohio, since it had a trigger law that essentially banned abortion after a fetal heartbeat was detected, there was an initiative and dark money efforts. Basically, the whole nation was involved in whether or not Ohio was going to pass a constitutional amendment this election that would essentially make abortion on demand and arguably up until birth legal. And unfortunately, that did pass by a majority vote. And of course, if that ballot initiative, about a 60% majority required to pass a constitutional amendment, actually had passed, then issue one in the state of Ohio would not have passed. But of course, it is what it is, and now Ohio is considered a red state, reddish state, but it's going to have legalized abortion close to what Colorado and California have. And so the pro-abortion forces are hard at work to try to take out each state one by one and make sure that they enshrine into each state abortion on demand up until birth. And, you know, we know how it is, possibly even after birth, like a try-before-you-buy scheme, 28 days, whatever. And so on Tuesday, November 7th, 
As I was scrolling through my X feed, X, formerly known as Twitter, I happened to see a post by uh, Laura Klassen that said, You can shout my body, my choice all you want, but it doesn't change the fact that you aren't aborting your own body. You're ripping apart the body of another person, unquote. Now, I didn't know who Laura Klassen was, but I saw that post and I was looking at comments underneath, of course. I was curious how people were going to respond to that. And I recently like, looked up Laura Klassen and found out that she runs a site called Choice42.com. And I recommend that you check it out. She's not wishy-washy. She's a, an abortion abolitionist in Canada and makes YouTube videos. And these YouTube videos are pretty well put together. There's even animated ones. And she makes videos like skits of herself doing kind of satirical arguments to demonstrate how the argument for abortion doesn't work. So check out choice42.com. And I'll provide a link to that in the show notes and also her YouTube channel for the YouTube handle Choice4298. And as I was reading through comments, through replies to Laura Klassen's post, I noticed what I think was a woman named Super Grobenite who replied, quote, Well, if the ZEF, which stands for Zygote Embryo Fetus, Inside someone isn't their own body and is a different body, that gives pregnant people even more of a right to have abortions, because no human has the right to use someone else's body against their will." Unquote. So, yeah, some abortion advocates will try to argue that having an abortion is removing a clump of cells, or it's kind of like having a tumor removed, it's a medical procedure. And for many of them, that's sufficient, but the anti-abortion side will argue that, well, you're not aborting part of you, you are killing a human life. It's not your body, it's the body of someone else, as Klassen posted. But that didn't seem to phase this woman who replied here because she kind of took the philosophical position. So, avoiding emotions or avoiding the technicalities of what abortion is, uh, she took a philosophical argument that, well, whatever you're arguing, that you're not aborting your own body, you're aborting someone else's body, well, that makes abortion, the argument for abortion, even stronger because no human being has the right to use someone else's body against their will. So, essentially, if a woman gets pregnant... And she doesn't want to be pregnant. She wasn't expecting it. This woman replying didn't point out cases of like the usual hard cases like rape or incest. It's just if someone doesn't want to be pregnant, then they don't give permission to the unborn baby to be in their body. And so therefore, that baby has no permission to use that woman's body for anything. And so therefore, abortion is completely valid. <laughs> and so even though it's a separate human being, somehow abortion is even more justified in that case, because now what you have you don't have a part of you. You have a trespasser. You have a parasite inside you. And therefore, you have even more of a right to get rid of it. 
So her argument is similar to the unconscious violinist argument by Judith Jarvis Thompson from the early 1970s. So Judith Jarvis Thompson wrote an article, uh, I think it was called A Defense of Abortion, and it was a philosophical argument. It was a thought experiment, kind of like the trolley problem in philosophy, where it's like you have to make a choice between directly killing one person or unfortunately indirectly killing five people. You know, you have a trolley that's out of control and you got to pull a lever. You have a choice between pulling a lever, knowing that your act of pulling the lever directly kills one person on one track, or you pull the lever, you directly kill one person, or if you don't, you know, your non-action kills five people. Now, which would you choose? And you, you have two less than ideal choices, and you have to pick the one that seems to be the least evil or perhaps grants the most dignity to human quality of life. Now, Judith Jarvis Thompson's unconscious violinist argument was kind of more like the trolley problem, recognizing that if somehow you wake up and you have this unconscious violinist who's attached to you and is, you know, attached to your body for life support, and it kind of hampers you, and you've got to wait nine months to be freed, but it's really hampering your ability to do anything, and it's degrading your quality of life, And the argument is that you're morally justified to detach this unconscious violinist, even if it means that you're removing the violinist's life support from you because it's kind of like an unfortunate parasite on your body. And even though it would be tragic, uh, the less of two evils is to recognize that you own your own body and you have a right to the quality of life and not to be forced to support someone else's life against your own will. And so, therefore, you're morally justified in detaching the violinist so you can be free and not hampered and not immobile. And therefore, the unconscious violinist dies. And so, it's, a, it's the same thing as the trolley problem and it's recognizing you have a choice between two tragedies but you're justified in the one that even results in the death of someone else because bodily autonomy and quality of life now super grobenites reply saying that abortion is even more justified because you have a human who has no right to use your body if you don't give it permission This is a more recent form of the unconscious violinist. It's the trespasser argument for abortion. In other words, a baby in the womb is essentially a trespasser because it wasn't invited in. So, if you're pregnant and you don't want to be, by definition, that makes the baby in your womb a trespasser. It wasn't invited onto your private property. You own your body. It's in what you own. You don't give it permission. Therefore, you have a right to abort it. Even if you have any qualms about what happens there, you're just still justified to do that. There should be no issue with that because you have the right to your own body. And therefore, even if it results in tragically killing another human being, it's a trespasser. You have that right. So then I replied, 
Quote, so a baby in the womb is unavoidably a trespasser. Each of us was once a baby in the womb. Therefore, all humans are criminal trespassers. Criminals have no business being in charge of laws. Yet we have no laws that aren't from criminal sources. Unquote. So you see what I was doing there, essentially. So every human being who comes into this world is a baby in a womb at some point. At least most of us, unless there's some form of petri dish experiment that can raise a baby without a womb, without a human womb, every human being comes into existence by potentially de facto being a trespasser. So that makes the origin of every human being that of being a criminal. And so if we're all criminals, essentially, then does a criminal have a right to be in charge of laws? And so therefore, we can't have any kind of laws or any kind of ordered society because it's the fox guarding the hen house, it's the inmates running the asylum, it's the criminals in charge of laws. So then this woman replied, quote, A baby in the womb is only a trespasser if the person they're inside doesn't want them to be inside them, unquote. In other words, any and all human beings are de facto criminals. No baby in the womb voluntarily entered the womb. No baby in the womb knows how to get out. No baby in the womb can get out by its own volition. Yet every human being begins in this predicament. So every human being is a trespasser, or in other words, a criminal from the start. It's only the sentiment of the property owner or the womb owner that can solve this problem. If the womb owner grants a pardon, the baby criminal walks free, or in this case is born free, but keep in mind that the sentiment is that the alleged crime of trespass, even involuntarily and helplessly, seems to carry a brutal capital punishment, unless the womb owner grants a pardon. Now think about this. Do we really expect to think of all human existence as a collection of pardoned criminals who were pardoned by other pardoned criminals? It kind of blunts any moral claim a human can have. So, I replied to this woman, quote, So how does a baby avoid committing this crime? Remember, your logic means that every human being is potentially unavoidably a criminal, which would seem to invalidate any concept of moral law in the first place. And then I further replied, and why is the solution to kill it, either by starving it of nutrients via a progesterone antagonist, or even crushing its skull with forceps or vacuuming it out with such force as to tear it limb from limb? This is far more a severe punishment than I have seen for trespassing." Unquote. So, let's observe from my reply. I purposefully framed my question with the gory details of what an abortion is like to try to make her think about what she's advocating. And since she referred to the baby in the womb as a trespasser, I wanted her to think about if the right of the pregnant person against the trespassing baby who cannot voluntarily comply to leave the premises is to kill it. 
and that in a far more barbaric way than capital punishment for serial killers. I mean, what we have lethal injection or the electric chair for serial murderers. But yet, we consider this a humane way of capital punishment, even there's a lot of people who disagree with capital punishment. No matter what crime someone's committed, at best they should get life imprisonment. But how we do capital punishment for even the worst murderers is far more humane than this type of punishment that this woman would think would be justified on the crime of trespass that a baby would commit unknowingly, unintentionally, and unavoidably. Now, she didn't acknowledge or respond to my description of abortion. She, of course, shifted the question. She replied, quote, You know what? Why do you have such an issue with women choosing what happens to their own bodies? Why do you want them to be forced to stay pregnant, then give birth against their wills? Is it because you're controlling and feel the need to control others? Or is it because you still believe the main role and goal of women is to have children and be housewives, and you can't wrap your head around the fact that not all women want to have children, not all women need to have children, and that it's okay for women to have sex without wanting to get pregnant and have a baby, unquote. So, yeah, this is a typical argument from people who support abortion, like liberal leftist types. Somehow they think that the only reason someone would be against abortion is because they want to enslave or control women. There just cannot be another reason, such as what I actually said. I described abortion. I talked about killing human beings. Like, we've got to get back to first principles. Do we have a consistent argument and a consistent understanding of reality, such as the value and dignity of human life? Can we start with the premise that no human should just be killed for some reason other than that human has committed a capital crime, such as murder, such as killing someone else? I replied, quote, are there ways to solve problems without simply resorting to killing human beings? Do you believe a financially struggling single mother with a toddler has a moral right to butcher the toddler to relieve the financial burden of dependency? Are there other solutions? Unquote. Now, notice that I didn't resort to attacks and accusations. I purposefully answered her question first, by doubling down on the reality of abortion. You know, I called it killing human beings because I want to make sure she understands that language. Then I brought up an analogy that Justice for All calls trot out the toddler. And I recommend you check out Justice for All. I'll provide a link to Justice for All also in the show notes. Are you living an abundant life? Jesus came to give us eternal life. Yes, but also an abundant life here and now, overflowing with the fruit of the Spirit. The Abundant Life Podcast encourages and challenges Christians to spiritual change and growth by applying biblical principles to everyday life. Podcast hosts Sasso Mendez and Ben Ariano discuss various topics that are helpful for Christians and true to the Scripture and bring a generous dose of humor. Visit AbundantLife.fm and subscribe to get notified of each new episode.
That's AbundantLife.fm. This woman diverted the argument from the violence of abortion to what she stereotypically thinks is the motivation for being against abortion. She asked why I would want women to be forced to be pregnant and give birth or to control people or that I want to push some kind of role on women. Of course, I don't want any of that any more than she does. But the abortion debate comes down to the question, what is the unborn? Neither of us, neither I nor this woman invented pregnancy. God designed it. Neither of us like tough cases. We both want solutions. That's the common ground that we have here. The so-called anti-abortion position is simply that you start with the premise that human life has inherent worth and should be treated as such. Any and all solutions to the difficult situations start with this premise. You know, of course, abortion advocates seem to want to act as if anti-abortionists don't realize, don't acknowledge, or don't care that there are difficult situations. All we're saying is that you assume the dignity and worth of both the mother and the baby, and then you work out solutions from there. So, this woman replied, quote, there absolutely are other solutions to a financially struggling single mother besides them having an abortion. Like raising the minimum wage to a livable wage, giving them financial aid or other aid so they can afford to care for their child, etc. But you pro-lifers don't care about any of those things being done at all. And anyway, even if we do all those things, that still doesn't mean abortions can be banned or that people struggling financially shouldn't be able to have them because people have the right to remove someone from their body if and when they want. And ZEFs, or zygotes, embryos, fetuses, don't have the right to use someone else's body against their will. Unquote. Very often, when I encounter pro-abortionists, they are quick to accuse their opponents of holding certain other political positions. Now, it often is the case those who are anti-abortion are also often those who hold to conservative political beliefs and are often, therefore, against raising taxes and against social welfare programs and stuff. But, of course, the abortion advocates assume motivations for holding such positions too. So, if someone doesn't support central economic planning or government-controlled welfare, the only possible reason must be malicious intent, right? It cannot be because of fears of centralized power or tyranny. It cannot be that the government wastes money. It cannot be from a fundamental and, I would say, biblical belief that taxation is theft unless it's specifically authorized in the Bible for specific reasons, such as the government bearing the sword, being an avenger on those who commit crimes. Of course, it cannot be for a belief in thou shalt not steal, can it? It cannot be because of moral hazard. It cannot be because it can incentivize behaviors of dependency and disincentivize independence and disincentivize the work required to fund such programs. 
No, the only reason anyone can ever have to oppose a government-imposed minimum wage or a government-run financial aid has to be just some comic book villain evil reason to want to hurt and control people, right? Abortion advocates who support socialism seem to want to place the burden on the anti-abortion side, until and unless you can come up with a plan for society in which no one ever experienced any difficulties or that they don't feel any impact from having an unexpected pregnancy. You know, a utopia. Until then, abortion must be allowed to reign supreme. Or, anti-abortionists cannot have their position unless they are personally willing to adopt all unwanted children into their families. You know, we'll take a rain check on that utopia, anti-abortionists. Now, I've personally encountered even Christians that argued with me that any arguments I give about what abortion is and that it's brutally killing human beings just can't really carry any weight unless I support government-controlled welfare or show my charity card that I have done whatever they would consider enough to allow me to even have a life-affirming argument. Now, my wife and I have, and we do continue to do a lot to help women with unexpected pregnancies, even while we take care of our four children. But apparently, one cannot argue that murder should be illegal unless they first become Mother Teresa. So think of that argument like if someone says, you cannot believe that murder is wrong until you somehow come up with a solution to society where no one could ever come up with any reason to murder anyone. <laughs> you must live a complete life of abject charity, like you're a wandering source of charity work. Unless you do that, then you can't argue that on its own, standing on its own, murder is wrong. And if abortion is murder, then it's the same type of situation. Now, I replied to this woman, quote, You might appreciate this. I'm totally in favor of making any man who gets a woman pregnant legally on the hook to support her and the child until the child is, say, 18. Perhaps that's a better solution than killing an innocent human being, unquote. And then she replied, That is a better solution, but only if the pregnant person wants to stay pregnant than give birth, then wants to care for the child and not give it up for adoption. I replied, quote, I don't expect you to believe me, but my wife and I have sacrificed a lot for a single mother who considered an abortion. We simply gave her one of our family vehicles when she lost hers. We bought her groceries and gas. We cared for her baby for days while she finished college. Now, this woman replied, Oh, wow, that's awesome. I'm so happy you did that for them. But now my question to you is, are you a Republican or Democrat? And do you support and advocate for raising the minimum wage to a living wage? universal health care or some other affordable health care system, universal paid maternity leave, universal free child care, and other things to help parents afford to care for their children, unquote. So I replied, the Democrat-Republican divide is often a false dichotomy. I am first and foremost a devout Christian, and my political philosophy is largely libertarian. 
I support voluntary charity, life, and property. Your suggestions ultimately require the initiation of force. Unquote. So I was trying to make her think there, like, she's basically arguing that you cannot believe that murder is wrong, i.e. that abortion is murder, and you cannot act on it. You cannot make that argument unless you support solutions. Of course, she already had said none of those things can ever effectuate a ban on abortion because, hey, no one should be forced to go through a pregnancy that they don't want. Well, who knows? Maybe eventually we might get to a technological state where you have artificial wombs and stuff like that, where someone who doesn't want to be pregnant can just transpose their baby into an artificial womb. Who knows? But the point is, she doesn't think abortion should ever be banned. But hey, if you're going to disincentivize abortion then you have to support a complete socialization of everything. So supposedly raising the minimum wage to a livable wage, and she said something like $40 an hour or more, which I didn't put in my notes. I saw her post there that a livable wage, basically if you get a job flipping burgers, according to her, the pay for that should be like $40 an hour or more. <laughs> Yikes. I mean, there were times when I worked as a software developer where I didn't even earn that much. But yeah, here's the case where it's like, so sorry, you can't argue that babies aren't trespassers. You can't argue that abortion is murder. You can't argue against abortion at all, at least that I can respect until you show that you support raising the minimum wage to like triple what it is now, universal health care and universal paid maternity leave and universal free child care. So, you know, think about it. Does it even matter if you make like $50 an hour or more? How much is that going to pay for if... Think about the taxes that would be required to fund all this universal everything. If you can manage to get a job that would hire you to pay you 40 or $50 an hour, but even then, for universal free child care, universal maternity leave, and universal health care, who would be paying for all that? You know, so the tax is required to pay for that. Think of other countries that have somewhat of that. Like you're paying at least half your wages and taxes, perhaps even 60%. So therefore, like, where's this livable wage if the money that you get to use that's left over, you don't have a whole lot of it. And when you have all this free stuff, then how many people are going to be incentivized to work? You don't have to show that you have a job to get this free health care. So that disincentivizes people from working. But it does seem that a lot of people who support abortion also support, you know, socialism. And so those of us who are Christians, those of us who believe the Bible and really understand the Bible, that thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not covet, all of those laws in the Ten Commandments that this precious woman here on X doesn't seem to understand and what she's proposing blatantly violates all that because 
She doesn't say anything about adultery being wrong. The only wrong is being pregnant and you don't want to be pregnant. She doesn't even talk about how that happens, but she seems to advocate the whole idea of free love. So basically, you should be able to do what you want. And if you become pregnant, it's because someone's imposing on you. It's forced pregnancy, forced birth. And freedom or your moral right is to be able to kill what's in your womb because, hey, if you don't want to be pregnant, then the baby's a trespasser. It's a criminal. Uh, think about it. Now, I checked out Laura Claussen's videos and I recommend you check them out. Some of them are actually pretty, like there's one called The Procedure, which was very hard to watch. It's animated, but it really puts the message. It's a testimony from someone who was involved in abortions or helping out and then he saw an abortion procedure and how brutal it was and then he left he quit his job and became anti-abortion i'd recommend you check out laura Claussen, choice42.com and her youtube channel there's one video where she kind of satirizes the argument about unwanted pregnancy or that being able to do things that result in pregnancy does not mean that you invited pregnancy as she's eating a bunch of donuts and she's saying like, I have the right to eat this donut, but it's someone else's fault or whatever if I gain weight as a result of it. Like that's an analogy saying, hey, if you do the thing and the natural consequence happens, then it's no one imposed that on you. If you can't control the way your body processes calories, then why is it that you think we have the right to kill a human being because you didn't want the result? Now, of course, you know, that doesn't explain the problem of rape and stuff, but still, the fundamental principle, the biblical principle that we get to is we start with what is the unborn? It's a human life. We start with the premise, the necessary premise, that we have to respect human dignity. There's an equality among all humans that every human has the right to life, rich or poor, bond or free, you know, male or female, as the Apostle Paul says, born or unborn, handicapped or not. We start with that premise, and of course, this is a fallen world, or there are a lot of difficult situations, but we have to start with the premise that you respect human life, you don't just kill it, and then we work out our solutions from there. So I hope that you enjoyed this episode of Truth Espresso and stay tuned for the next episode of Truth Espresso and God bless. Thank you for waking up with Truth Espresso. Good morning and God bless your day. Hey friends, Daniel Minnick here again. If you liked waking up to this episode of Truth Espresso, I would really appreciate it if you would rate it on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or whatever application you use to listen to Truth Espresso.